Hello and welcome to our Trail Magic Podcast, where we seek to equip college students with resources, biblical teaching, and helpful conversations for the journey ahead. This summer, the focus of our College Connection teaching will be on the subject of prayer. The Gospels tell us this was the request of the disciples to Jesus and one of the central tasks of Jesus' earthly ministry. Join us all summer long for encouraging messages to help you grow in your prayer life as a believer. Let's hit the trail. Hi guys, hi gals. This summer, as you know, we have been focusing on prayer and specifically that the great purpose of prayer is to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us to glorify God in everything we do, whether we eat or we drink or whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. And so as we pray, certainly we ought to be praying to the glory of God. And in the first message of this series, I spoke on the fact that we glorify God in our prayers by seeking communion with him. And I stress that our prayers ought to be Trinitarian as the New Testament prayers are, that primarily we address our prayers to the Father, though we may also speak to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit, that we think of the various things that the Father does, that the Son does, that the Holy Spirit does, and in our prayers reflect those different aspects of the work of God that are related to each person of the Trinity. Then the next message by Pastor Josh was on childlike dependence, and he spoke about God as being our Father and the privilege of adoption and praying to our Father. Then last week, uh, Brent spoke on basing our intercession on God's character and covenant. He spoke on Exodus 32 through 34 as Moses uh, prayed for Israel after their great sin of building a golden calf. Well, my theme for today is that we glorify God in our prayers by depending on the Holy Spirit in prayer. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of supplication. In the Old Testament, the prophets frequently predicted the outpouring of the Spirit in the last days. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, all spoke of the outpouring of the Spirit. And his coming is the chief blessing of the new covenant. We who believe in Jesus are under that covenant now, and we have received the Spirit of God. Israel, as a nation, will not enter into that covenant until the end of the age when the armies of Antichrist surround Jerusalem. At that time, God says, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Supplication is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. And so when he says that I will pour out the spirit of grace and supplication, it's an earnest begging, asking for God's grace. And it says that they will be mourning over their sin and they will ask God graciously to forgive them for rejecting his son, Jesus Christ. God will forgive them. 
He will answer their prayer. There will be a great turning to God of Israel in those last days. Now, this passage gives us an example of what the Holy Spirit does in us and for us. As he will do for these Jewish people, he brings us to repentance and he glorifies the Lord Jesus, whom we may have been neglecting. So, when you are emotionally burdened or crying out to the Lord, recognize that the spirit of grace and of supplication, God's Holy Spirit, is at work in your heart. Now, the next thing that we need to recognize is that true worship is spirit-directed worship. Uh, In John chapter 4, we see that Jesus had a divine appointment with a Samaritan woman. The early part of the chapter says that he had to go through Samaria. Now, he didn't really have to go through Samaria. To go from Judah up to Galilee, from Judea to Galilee, the straight route was through Samaria, but Jews almost never took that route. They usually went the long way around to avoid those despised Samaritans, and they crossed the Jordan River, went up in what we would now call Jordan, came back across the Jordan River into Galilee. So when it says that he had to go through Galilee, it's reminding us that he had a divine appointment to meet this woman. This woman that the Jews despised was loved by God. And so he offered her living water. She didn't understand him. He said, call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, yes, that's right. You've had five husbands. The man you're living with now is not your husband. And so she began to squirm. And as people do, uh, she diverted the conversation to a religious question. And she asked where people ought to worship, in Jerusalem or on the holy mountain that the Samaritans had appointed. And Jesus told her that soon the proper question would not be where, but how to worship. He said this, But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. There's been a lot of discussion about what it means to worship God in spirit and truth. Now, it certainly includes the ideas of sincerity and wholehearted devotion. Worship in spirit and truth, well, prayer that is a dull, flat, careless religious exercise is not worship in spirit and truth. But there's more involved than that. When it says that God is spirit, it points to something beyond sincerity and zeal. To worship in spirit means that our spirits must be in tune with God's spirits. Spirit. Our spirits must be guided and directed by the Spirit of God if we want our worship to be acceptable to God. Finally, our worship must be in line with the truth. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. We can't worship God according to our own notions of what he is like. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And any worship of God that does not center on Jesus Christ and neglects Jesus Christ is not worshiping him according to the truth. It's empty and vain. 
So true worship and prayer must be spirit-directed worship. We must worship in spirit and in truth. Our spirits must be in line with the Spirit of God. We must worship him according to how he has revealed himself to be. Now, the New Testament teaches us to pray in the Spirit. A number of verses mention this. So, we have Ephesians 2, 17 and 18. And he, that is Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Now, he says that Jesus preached peace to you who were far away. These people in Ephesus were far away from where Jesus was. He never preached in Ephesus. How did Jesus preach to them? Well, he preached to them through the Apostle Paul and the others who brought the gospel to them. And whenever a pastor is preaching the word of God faithfully and truly, Jesus Christ is speaking through him. And so Paul could say that Jesus came and preached peace to those people, even though he had never personally been there. But the apostle had been there, and so had others who were with him. Now, he says that through him, Jesus, we have our access in one spirit to the Father. Jesus provides us access to the throne room of God. Without him, we can't get in. However, just as you and I wouldn't know how to act or what to say if we were introduced to the Queen of England, so we are over our head in trying to approach the Almighty Sovereign of the universe. Jesus, by his death, opened the way. At his death, the veil of the temple was torn in two, the veil that separated Old Testament worshipers from God. And so Jesus gives us access to the Father, but what are we supposed to do when we talk to the Almighty Sovereign of the universe. Well, don't worry. The Holy Spirit will take you by the hand and whisper in your ear. He will teach you how to pray. So just as you would need a coach if you were to see the Queen of England, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't walk up to her and say, Hi, Queenie, how are you doing? How's the weather in England today? Ah, it's raining. Must be uh, just like in Boone. No, you wouldn't do that. You, you, there would be certain things you could say, certain, certain ways of speaking. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us and teaches us as we enter the presence of God. And then chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, Ephesians six eighteen through 20. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all, all the saints. And pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This passage is important because we see that praying in the Spirit, which he tells us to do here, does not mean praying in tongues. He says that we are to pray with all prayer and petition at all times in the Spirit. Every prayer at all times is to be offered to God in the Spirit. Now, even people who speak in tongues don't pray in tongues all the time. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul emphasized that praying with the understanding is more important than praying in tongues. 
And here in Ephesians 6, Paul wants them to pray with understanding, specifically for his ministry. And he wants those prayers to flow from a spirit-filled and spirit-directed heart. Another verse, Jude 1, 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. So he speaks of praying in the Spirit as an essential part of building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Spirit is an essential aspect of keeping yourselves in the love of God. Praying in the Holy Spirit is an essential aspect of waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and developing a healthy hunger for Christ's return. So we see that the New Testament frequently uh, reminds us to pray in the Spirit. So how is it that you can pray in the Spirit? Well, first, some negatives. Praying in the Spirit is not dependent on a mystical experience that comes directly from God. It's not a, a zap that you get, and now you are in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is not a feeling, on the other hand, that you have to work up inside yourself. It's not as though you have to work yourself into a, a particular emotional experience. And when you feel a certain way, then you are praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is not possible if you are walking in the flesh. If your mindset throughout all the day is on uh, just the things of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the things that you want for yourself because you want them. If you have not been walking in the Spirit during the day and, and thinking in terms of of uh, your love for the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for you, uh, your fellowship with the Father, if that's all totally foreign to you, you can't just bow your head and suddenly be praying in the Spirit. It's not possible to walk in the flesh and pray in the Spirit. But praying in the Spirit is an outgrowth of walking in the Spirit and surrendering daily to the Spirit, walking in fellowship with God, your Father, through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. It's a deliberate dependence on the Spirit when you pray, recognizing your inability to pray properly and well. Now, I don't mean by the right words, but with the heart, right heart. Uh, it's a deliberate dependence, uh, recognizing that the Spirit himself is the one who must guide you in your prayers. And it's something you can ask the Spirit to enable you to do. And, and I do this when I feel dry and empty, I may come to my father and say, Father, uh, my heart is not with it. I, I've been distracted. I am dry and empty. You know, I've been trying to keep in fellowship with you, but, but I need your spirit to help me to pray. I cannot do it by myself. Fill me with your spirit now. Forgive me for my sins that I might be able to come to you in the spirit of God. That's what you do. It's deliberate. Now, even beyond this, even when you feel as if you can hardly pray, you can trust and must trust in the Spirit's intersection, intercession. The effectiveness of your prayers doesn't depend on your getting everything right. Romans 8, 26 and 27. 
In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When you come with a humble, broken heart and you just don't know how to pray or what to say, you know what the problems are, but boy, you don't have any answers to suggest to God. He's not very good at taking suggestions. The Holy Spirit takes your burdened heart and he intercedes for you according to the will of God, turns your weak and stumbling prayer into a beautiful petition that uh, God hears. And so you need to trust the Spirit to make your prayers acceptable, particularly when you're distressed and perplexed and broken in heart. But even all the time, as you present your needs to God and you pray in the Spirit, the Spirit turns your needs into the specific request that God wants to answer. He may answer in a way that you don't expect, he may answer in a way that is not what you specifically prayed for. But if you present your needs to him, he will answer. He will not just neglect you. He will answer in the way that, in view of his overall plan for the world and for your life, is best. So, let's pray in the Spirit. Father, we come to you relying upon the Holy Spirit, asking you to fill each of us with your Spirit, asking you to help us walk in the Spirit throughout the rest of this day, throughout the days ahead in this week, so that when we come to you, we are not coming to you with a carnal, fleshly mindset, but we are coming perhaps broken, perhaps dry, perhaps empty, but coming in the Spirit and that we might receive from you the answers that you delight to give to us. May that be our experience this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Trail Magic is a production of the College Ministry of Alliance Bible Fellowship in Boone, North Carolina. For more information, go to abfboone.org. Thanks for tuning in.